steps into it, pass is caught! Diggs! Sideline! Touchdown! Unbelievable! Vikings win it! The Unbelievable Podcast. I am BJ Rydell, back here with my guy, Drew Mahold, and today we are spending the entire show discussing the Vikings' new head coach, Kevin O'Connell, and the staff that he has assembled. Obviously, we've known this guy for about a week. Uh, we've known that he's going to be the guy uh, for about three weeks now, uh, but we really have only gotten the formal introduction to Kevin O'Connell, right? Uh, at this point in time, as of this recording, uh, all of you guys probably watched the press conference or caught snippets of it, uh, the highlights, if you will. And we know kind of the staff that he's assembled and the style of the staff that he's assembled, whether that's the demographic information, uh, you know, the general level of experience, where they came from, general background, stuff like that. The point that I'm trying to make here is that we, we know very little. So this is really a first impression podcast. And um, I think Kevin O'Connell did a great job leaving kind of that good taste in your mouth from his first press conference. So we'll go through kind of the, some of the things that stuck out to us about him from a character standpoint. Again, it's going to be difficult to, to judge what he's like as an actual coach at this point, given that he's never been a head coach before and he's never called plays before two things that he'll be doing for the first time in Minnesota. So we'll touch on all those things, uh, you know, some high points, some things that are you know points of interest and also maybe a couple of things that, you know, might be a cause for concern as well. Um, specifically, some of these guys on the new coaching staff that I personally have a problem with. I don't know about what Drew's take is yet, but I'm sure we'll talk about a few of them that I'm not super thrilled about. Cough, Mike Pettin. All right, so <laughs> let's uh, let's jump right in here and let's start with let's start with Kevin O'Connell. So. Like I said, uh, he was introduced to the Vikings organization uh, last week. I believe that was on a Thursday afternoon. And he, we got to meet his family, got to get an idea of kind of how he speaks, kind of what his main points of interest are when he's coaching. Yeah, there was a lot of coach speak mixed in there. There's a lot of kind of jargon, coaching jargon, if you will, uh, that really, you know, I guess from a fan standpoint, doesn't mean a whole lot. Uh, I'm not being coached by the guy, so it doesn't necessarily matter what his, you know, where his, what's his stance on, you know, how to coach a player or how he feels he should treat. I mean, mm -hmm. I care about how he feels, how he should treat people, I guess, but it doesn't really affect me if you know what I'm saying. But anyways, we got a good idea of kind of what his character is. So uh, judging from what you saw, Drew, what were kind of, what stood out to you about Kevin O'Connell? What, you know, what made you excited? What, you know, what do you remember, I guess, from what was, I think, about an hour and a half long press conference to introduce him to Minnesota? Well, I think this isn't even necessarily about the press conference. It's just like the dude just won the Super Bowl. Uh, so I think that's, that's the yeah. I mean, that's literally the number one thing for me is uh, he just experienced firsthand, you know, what it takes. And granted, I know the Rams scenario is a little bit different. The way that they went about building the roster, building that contender type of team. Right. is very kind of outside the box, but uh, from the coaching, you know, perspective, he knows exactly what it takes. Um, he learned firsthand from Sean McVay, who's now been to two Super Bowls, um, and he's seen, you know, the type of um, qualities that, you know, he has to kind of mold into his own coaching philosophy. Now, I don't want him to try to go be Sean McVay. I want him to be himself, but um, right. there's certainly going to be some of those attributes that, 
he has kind of, um, you know, assumed from Sean McVay throughout the years. And I'm excited about that because as we've talked about, um, you know, we like, we kind of wanted the offensive minded guy and he certainly has that. And he certainly has kind of that forward thinking approach. And it seems like he and Adolfo Mensa seem to be meshing really well. They have to be, they seem to be very clearly aligned with their, uh, you know, what their plans are, what they foresee uh, with this franchise in the future. And so that's the biggest uh, kind of thing for me is it, it just seemed like those two guys connected really well and are very, um, you know, on the right, on the same trajectory and same thinking with what to do, what to do with the franchise here. So I, I think, I think, you know, I said this when we were talking about Harbaugh and all the speculation there, like it seems like O'Connell's the better fit. Um, I think Harbaugh's, I you know, say, yeah. Harbaugh's pedigree is certainly uh, more impressive than O'Connell's at this point. That's not, uh, there's no debating that, but I think it, in terms of the fit and where the direction of the franchise is, it just seemed like O'Connell's, uh, you know, his philosophies fit a little bit better. And now I'm very curious as to what the Vikings are going to end up doing here, rebuild, retool, whatever that might be. Yeah. So I wanted to touch on what you said about Harbaugh real quick, because I thought it was interesting that the Wilfs came out and they said that like they kind of addressed the, the, the shit storm of news that came out with the Harbaugh thing. And they, they did it, you know, they spoke like owners, of course, as they always right. do. They were very professional and they were, they weren't exactly candid about it. It clearly was, you know, thought about and whatever. But th- they essentially said that Kevin O'Connell was the guy that they wanted. And it wasn't that Harbaugh turned him down, although it is worth noting that Harbaugh did get that contract that I was bitching about. Which is the last exactly time what you had. Yeah, it's exactly right. what you said would happen. <laughs> so something something worth noting there, sure. But the Wilfs said that they wanted O'Connell. And yeah, they probably said that to some degree because he is the guy now. You don't want the first thing that the owner says about you is, oh, he was our second choice. Like, they're not going to say that, right? But I do think that that's worth noting that they immediately came out and supported their coach and were like, this is the guy we wanted. We got him. We're happy about it. We're excited about it. Um, You know, this is how it's going to be moving forward. So I liked that. The thing that stood out to me the most really isn't I mean, it's, it's, it's adjacent to Kevin O'Connell's character. It's more about the Vikings franchise as a whole and something that you see, and this isn't the Vikings alone. This is really the NFL as a whole is when you see one coach get fired, the new coach is generally going to be, unless the team has had success, like a ton of success. And generally that coach isn't going to be fired. He retired something like Bill Coward and Mike Tomlin, something along those lines. But my point being here is that generally when a coach leaves an organization, you're going to get the exact opposite the next time around. Right. And the very first thing I noticed about Kevin O'Connell is that he is a shrewd communicator, which for everything that Mike Zimmer is communication, not exactly his strong suit. Right. I mean, it's endearing the way he talks. We have made a lot, a lot of jokes, whether it was the clocks in Chicago, That's right. all the way to, you know, God knows what else that he said, but he's also had some missteps in that regard as well. And that was something that the players, you know, unnamed sources, whatever, complained about. So now you get a guy that, first of all, was a player. And I know we talked about this in not at length, but to some degree on the last show that former quarterback understands how to stand on the sideline. He made a joke about that. It was funny. I like that because I like having, I like my coach having a sense of humor. That's important to me as a fan. Uh, but he understands how to coach players and how to communicate with players. And in addition to that, it's very important for him to focus on 
communication, meeting everyone in the room, talking to everyone on a daily basis and making sure that everyone feels comfortable. Those were points of emphasis that Kevin O'Connell stood out or excuse me, stated throughout his press conference. Um, And I expect that those will be defining characteristics of his tenure in Minnesota as well, which is a swift transition, as I said, from what you got from Mike Zimmer. So that stood out to me just immediately that the Wilfs were not messing around. They wanted a more cohesive unit in terms of how these guys are all going to be communicating with one another, whether that's O'Connell to Quasey, whether that's O'Connell to his players, whether that's O'Connell to the rest of his coaching staff, which we'll touch on in a little bit, but regardless, they hired quote, and this is you know an NFL cliche, but high character individuals that are all shrewd communicators and very eloquent with their words and their delivery and how they speak. I know that a lot of these speeches at press conferences are typed up, right? There's planned moments and stuff like that. But if you watched O'Connell talk, he was speaking directly to the guys answering, the, you know, the, the media members that were asking questions. He'd always turn his head. He a lot of the time he'd respond with, you know, with Mark Craig would ask a question, but like, oh, thank you, Mark. Okay, let me answer your question. My point being here is that there was a very, very defined sense of how this guy is going to communicate with the media, his players, his staff the guys above them, the ownership and Quasi and so forth. So you're, you're not lacking in that department, which is something that as soon as Mike Zimmer departed, we heard a lot about. So that stood out to me immediately about this guy, that he's going to be someone who is able to communicate effectively. And it's not going to be a problem for this organization moving forward. Right. And uh, I think, you know, to your point about the opposite, you know, I think there's, there's, that's the second piece to it. You know, the opposite of the previous regime, you know, you had that kind of um, hard nosed defensive coach. Now you kind of get a more, I want to say players coach. I think there were some way in some ways Zimmer was a players coach, at least um, kind of in his earlier years as uh, in his tenure. But I think O'Connell seems to be more of, like you said, the communicator, Um, you know, I guess if, you know, to, you know, he'll be more likely to say hi to Brian O'Neill in the hallway, I guess is, is what I'm getting at here. So uh, I think, I think that's that in that sense, I'm, excited about the hire. Now uh, we can talk about the coaching staff too, but I think um, it, it just seems like all around the league, the, I don't want to say the assistant coaches don't matter or that um, the, you know, it just seems like the, the successful head coaches can adapt and they can succeed really with any staff that they have, right? Like Sean McVay over the years has had a number of assistants care. leave, yeah. go elsewhere and he still wins Super Bowls, you know? And, you know, a lot of his assistants now after just winning one left O'Connell being one of them. Um, and so the same thing is going to happen there. And so, while we can talk about the, I think that's our, our plan here kind of is to talk about some of the coaching staff as well, but I think O'Connell is really, you know, you're, you're throwing your, your, your eggs into the O'Connell basket here. Uh, and I, his resume is not, again, he's a young dude. So his, his resume is not super extensive, but, I think the experiences he's had of working with May and working with McVay playing on the same team as Tom Brady. Um, and then being kind of with, you know, some of that, that Washington crew as well, that, you know, has, you know, branched out into Kyle Shanahan and Matt LaFleur being extremely successful head coaches. I think there's a lot to be excited about. And that's the type of mindset I want leading my favorite football team. Absolutely. And so more on, O'Connell and kind of the way that he operates, right? Something that's, and this is kind of, again, this is sort of bleeding into that conversation about his staff once again, but 
I saw Omar Kelly, who is a reporter down in Miami and covers the Dolphins, right? So if you're familiar with him, he does great work. Uh, but he made a really important point with regard to Mike McDaniel and the hire that they've just made for the Dolphins organization. And that was that he wanted to see McDaniel hire a former head coach at some in some capacity on his staff, whether that's a, a senior assistant, you know, a coordinator, whatever. It didn't matter. He wanted to see someone who had head coaching experience. And I think that's super important to note because Mike McDaniel, of course, in Miami is his first time head coach. He, of course, is going to have philosophies and ideas from Kyle Shanahan on how to properly operate an organization. But there's going to be things that you just don't even ask about that come up, right? And things that we don't even think about as fans that head coaches have to do, whether it's, you know, dealing with a payroll issue or something to that effect, right? These, these little tiny things that are just not really in your stratosphere when you're a coordinator. So it's important to have some sort of senior advisor, if you will. And that's where Mike Pettin comes in, who I don't like Mike Pettin. I'm going to say that right now. It's, it's gonna, it's, he's going to have to do a lot to change my mind because I can't stand the guy. I don't like I – don't, I, don't, I think he's boring as a human. I thought he sucked with the Packers. I thought he was a terrible head coach with the Browns. I don't have anything good to say about him from earlier than like 2014 when he was a great defensive coordinator with, I believe, the Jets. So I'm not a fan of him, but Mike Pettin does bring something that I believe the rest of the coaching staff does not have, and that is head coaching experience. It gives some level of credibility to how to operate an organization. So if Kevin O'Connell were to say, and he's going to speak to Mike Pettin frequently, being that he is the assistant head coach of this organization now, he's going to say, okay, well, what do we do in this situation? Well, while Pettin may have failed in the past, and sometimes failure is a good sign of success in the future, by the way, as we've seen with Bill Belichick, other head coaches in the past, but he's going to have a guy to bounce ideas off of and a guy to say, okay, how did this work for you? Or what do I do in this specific, this player personnel situation? When's the cutoff date for what do we need to get rid of more players? Little things like that, that you just may not remember because you're trying to absorb so much new stuff and you're trying to bring it brand, bring in a completely new philosophy to a huge amount of individuals across your organization. It's good to have that sounding board. So in that respect, the Mike Pettin hire is very good. Would I have preferred that they hired some different type of, former head coach? Yeah, for sure. But I do think it's important to note that in assembling his staff, Kevin O'Connell took that into account, that he doesn't know everything. And that was something that we saw featured throughout Quasi's pre press conference and saying like, okay, like, yeah, I, I might be a smart guy. I've heard, I've been told that before, but I like to talk to everyone involved, make sure that we get everyone's ideas into a bucket and then we'll kind of swirl those around and something will come out and we'll see what happens. It's going to be a collaborative process. And that seems to be kind of what you were saying before is makes O'Connell so aligned with Quasi is that they have that same general philosophy or at least by appearance of this coaching staff, he brought in some guys that I'm guessing are probably not dudes he goes out and gets drinks with after work, right? Like Wes Phillips might fit that, might fit that bill being a younger coach, an offensive guy from, you know, Los Angeles, whatever. But Ed Donatel, the new right. defensive coordinator, I promise you, I promise you, Kevin O'Connell is not going out to the club with. So it's not a friend hire. That's a smart hire on, okay, you have a lot of experience in this league. You have a lot of experience coaching defense specifically. I don't know as much about these things. I'm going to bring in some guy who I can bounce ideas off of, who can bounce ideas off of me as well and feel comfortable doing so. So that's kind of the aura that is being created here. It's not just a philosophy, right? They're literally implementing human beings that are going to mesh together to fit the bill of what they're saying out loud. And that's what it looks like from all appearances is that 
they're being completely transparent. This is what we're going to do. And the coaching staff tends to reflect that. And I think, again, that's a reflection of the character of the guy they brought just brought in. One of my biggest fears of bringing in a guy like Josh McDaniels, for example, who is known for being blowhearted, arrogant, rude, uh, distant, whatever term you want, is that, yes, you're a genius. And, yes, you're really, really good at figuring out an offensive system and how to work it around to your players and your team. But you're kind of an asshole. And I don't get that sense from O'Connell. I don't get that from any of the guys that he hired. And that's just, a again, a stark shift from, and for what it's worth, I loved Mike Zimmer as an asshole. I thought it was hilarious. But it's a, it's a swift shift from what this team used to be. It's very different, whether it's just the, the general energy, whether it's the kind of the formation and style of how we're going to work as a cohesive unit. All of these things are different. And it's... I think it's a good thing. It looks like a good thing. Yeah, on paper. I mean, it's, it's different. And I, it, we are very welcoming to it right now, just because the last coach was, you know, that, that mean kind of old school type of guy. And when it, it's not working, you get sick of it really quick. I mean, the same thing happened with Leslie Frazier, um, where he was the really nice guy, soft-spoken, uh, you know, it went, it went well for that one season. Uh, but, you know, when things weren't going well and he didn't seem to be doing much about it. I mean, you kind of, you were like, you were sick of it and you wanted something else. Zimmer came in with that attitude of I'm going to fix stuff right now. And I'm going to bring an attitude to this football team. And so that was what the Vikings needed at the time. And now it seems like there's another shift of what's needed. And I think O'Connell brings the, you know, the, uh, the contrast that Zimmer, uh, you know, uh, the contrast to Zimmer that the Vikings need right now, based on the personnel, based on what, you know, some of the key players like Kendricks and O'Neill are maybe voicing their opinions about. They want somebody that will communicate with them that will be a leader for them that will uh, lead the entire team, not just the defense, maybe, you know, things like that. And I think O'Connell seems to be, you know, willing to do that. Again, he's going to be an offensive oriented coach. We know that offensive coordinator at, with McVay. He's going to primarily work with the offense, but. Uh, don't ignore the defense like Zimmer seemed to do sometimes with some of the, you know, key components of the offensive side of the football. So I, again, I, from a, from a leadership uh, perspective, from the in philosophical perspective, I, I, I don't think there was much better out there than, than Kevin O'Connell right now. And again, I, with where the Vikings are at, I'm totally willing to kind of risk it, so to speak on a younger guy like this. I think this is what the Vikings need to do. Uh, Cause I think you're seeing more and more of these, these types of coaches are finding that success early and often. We just saw Zach Taylor go to a Super Bowl with Cincinnati of all teams, which I didn't was even think Zach the, Taylor was a good head coach, by the way. And and I didn't either. Uh, and so, I mean, you're seeing how quickly things can change around for a franchise if you hire the right head coach and you take that gamble. Cincinnati has done it. You saw the pack; they didn't really they weren't really down on the dumps. They saw Aaron Rodgers on the team, but they took a gamble on a young head coach, and that certainly worked out for him too. So. I, I really like the hire, and I think this is the right direction. Yeah, that's that's an interesting point, too. I mean, John Randall, of course, literally spelled it out, right? The Hiring a guy like Kevin O'Connell, who I believe is 36 years old, is makes you a little bit more relatable to your players. Yes, I know Kevin O'Connell has a full family. Like, I don't think he's – I'm not planning on him relating to 22-year-olds coming out in the first round and making a million dollars – I don't, I'm not expecting him to relate in that way, but on like a personal level, right? Like he's 36, he's not 62 or whatever yeah. Mike Zimmer was, right? There, there's going to be some generation different differences. And I think he's more adept at, or more prepared, I should say, um, to deal with 
things like TikTok that like Mike Tomlin <laughs> has made jokes about, right? Like you're dealing with a completely new wave of individuals. Like they're a different generation. They grew up learning different things. The style was different. The cultural changes that have been made in across the United States influence their personality characteristics, all of these different things. I just think Kevin O'Connell is generally more relatable in that regard. And you could say the same thing for the guys that you just mentioned, Zach Taylor, Sean McVay, all these guys who are, you know, mid thirties. Um, they're having more success because relatability is, is, is quote in right now. You saw how Justin Jefferson responded to the hiring of Kevin O'Connell, right? He's like, well, this is the first offensive coach I've ever had. I'm excited about that in and of itself. And then you saw the pictures and things of that nature. And it seems like they're going to get along just great, which is a big thing because we were all very concerned about less than a month ago that maybe he was going to do the Stefan Diggs thing and take off. So this is a move to keep together all of those guys. And it sounds like Delvin Cook is also very excited about it because he has said that Justin Jefferson and Delvin Cook, him and of himself, are going to bring this team in or this organization to the Super Bowl. And while I'm skeptical, I do like the enthusiasm and i do think that that's i like well. the attitude yeah, yeah it's a good it's, attitude to have i mean i wouldn't want him to say the opposite now, right so yeah and, and here i mean i don't want to get all you know um you know flowers and roses on all this because i think that's the natural fan thing to do you know you get a new coach you get a new uh gm and you get really excited about it and i i, I don't think that's what this is but it's just something to there are there are certain there are there are concerns that are going to come up too and i think that's where, you know, I, it's, this is just what happens, right? I mean, we, we could be talking two years down the road now and we're um, all of a sudden, you know, O'Connell is acting differently, acting weird, you know, all of this press conference and this introduction was kind of a front because let's face down. it, let's yeah. face it, you know, all of this stuff, like you said, it is manufactured a little bit. It is planned. Um, O'Connell does kind of work on the way he presents himself, I'm sure in that introductory press conference. And it's, it's something that uh, it is a performance of sorts. So it's not, we're now, we should, we shouldn't put everything, you know, all of our stock into that first press conference or all of the, you know, excitement from the players immediately, because there's still football to be played. There's still meetings to be had. There's still a roster to assemble uh, and also very key decisions to make about that roster. Uh, Big elf in the room that I'm referring to here. So there's those things have to be done before we can really feel that true excitement. But I think optimism is certainly fair with, with everything going on. Absolutely. And it's worth noting too, you got free agency in the draft coming up and you've got two first time leaders um, mm-hmm. in that respect. So it'll be interesting to see how Quasi and Kevin O'Connell decide to handle their first draft. We saw how Mike Zimmer handled that. Right. And that was, you know, it, it ended up working out fairly well, but it was a defensive approach very clearly. Maybe this is an offensive approach now. There's going to be, I think there's going to be a transition in how this team approaches the draft and free agency as well. And then just roster building as a whole, of course. Yeah, you, you mean the Vikings won't have four seventh round picks every year? Yeah, I'm thinking they probably won't. <laughs> so um, one more thing that I wanted to touch on with Kevin O'Connell before we kind of move into his staff a little bit harder here uh, is he mentioned, I believe, four players during his press conference. There was one that was going to be very obvious that was going to come up no matter what. He didn't need to say his name. Kevin, Kirk Cousins was going to come up no matter what. Every media member, if someone didn't ask, if it wasn't Thomason, it would be Cronin. If it wasn't Cronin, it would have been Collar. It would have been someone else, right? They would have asked about Kirk Cousins. So he mentions Kirk Cousins. He talks about him a little bit. He also mentioned three other players. And those three other players came out of his mouth without being preemptively um, questioned about right so he brought up Harrison Smith and he sped spoke very highly of Harrison Smith right he said that this is a guy that want, we want to have he 
the way he plays football is sort of how we want to define our defense. We want to be multiple. We want to be dis- we want to be disguised. We want to be smart. We want to tackle effectively. He does all these things, right? So Harrison Smith is kind of the uh, the the create a player for Kevin O'Connell for how he wants a guy in, on his defense. The other two players that he mentioned are not offensive players either. They're also defensive players. And Eric Kendricks and Anthony Barr, who Anthony Barr, of course, has very loose standing within this organization right now, given his current contract and given his current performance. And this team is expected to move to a different front, right? The base defense mm-hmm. is expected to be a three, four front. While I do believe O'Connell mentioned on multiple occasions that he's expecting this team to operate out of the nickel package for the most part. Um, and that's kind of just the sw- the transition of the entire league as a whole, but a three, four alignment in theory would give Anthony Barr different opportunities. So I think it's a little bit interesting bringing him up. And of course, naming Eric Kendricks um, is important as well, given that he's a, a the face of this de- to some degree, the face of this defense. Um, he's going to be your leading tackler, so. probably. Yeah, it's probably fair to say. Um, and he he made reference to how important these guys are in the organization and what they kind of do for this team. So do you make anything of him bringing up I mean, I, again, I don't really br- take a whole lot of stock in him bringing up Cousins because Cousins was going to come up no matter what. And I think to some degree what he's talking about with Cousins is just like leverage and like what can we do? He said he expects him to be with the Vikings next season. I don't know if that's true or not. I don't know if that's just speaking out of his ass. I don't know if that he was, you know, just saying what the organization told him to say. I don't know if he's just not trying to step on Quasi's toes. I don't know what that is. But the other three guys, Kendricks, Barr, Smith, do you make anything of him bringing them up? I, Do you take them back no, them? I, I think what I think, honestly, now, if I were to dig into his psyche a little bit, you know, yeah, he's probably excited about those guys because who wouldn't be? Those are, you know, three really good players. Kendricks is uh, among the best linebackers in the NFL. Harrison Smith has been for a decade now, probably the best safety or one of the best safeties in the NFL. Um, but I think, honestly, I, I bet he's just trying to, I don't want to say appease, maybe that's not the right word, but you know, kind of quickly build that rapport with the defensive side of the football and talking highly of the leaders of that group, I think is probably a good way to get that started. And right. so kind of start to really early on build that trust uh, with the defensive side, because um, I, th- I would imagine, you know, in talking with, you know, ownership and the Wilfs and whatnot um, early on in the discussions with the interviews, I'm sure there was some some talks about you know maybe the things that the players wanted more of or or maybe Zimmer shortcomings later on in his tenure, and you know relating to the players on the entire roster was probably one of those things that came up at some point, and so he's trying to quickly win over that trust, and so that's you know again that's I don't I think I think I may be saying it as if it's like a tactic, but I think it's still an important thing to do, and I think he picked really three really good players to highlight there because they're all really highly thought of and trusted leaders for the entire roster. Absolutely. All right. The, on the flip side of that now, and this again, will bleed directly into the assistant coaches that were hired. Right. Uh, one guy he did not mention is Daniel Hunter, whose mm-hmm. future has been kind of swirling in Minnesota, um, whether it's the contract and kind of the, the, rumors about him wanting a new one, whether it's the injury, whether it's, and I think this is really the most important thing. The fact that Andre Patterson is no longer with the organization and they brought in a new defensive line coach, right. And Chris Rumpf, who I don't know what their relationship is like. I don't believe they have anything, you know, any history of any kind. Right. Um, So I think that this is another important decision, right? Like the defensive line coach, is clearly the most important coach in Daniel Hunter's mind because the second that Dre Patterson walked away from the organization, he put up a Twitter thanking him. 
more importantly, he did not do the same thing for Mike Zimmer. Uh, so I think that the defensive line coach is very important in that hiring process. So mm-hmm. I don't know a whole lot about Chris Ruff. I'll be completely honest with you. I know that he comes with good pedigree. I know that he's a smart guy and that he has, you know, he's known throughout the league for being good at his job. That's about the extent of what I know. And I think that's about the extent of what Daniil Hunter knows as well. But a lot of these coaching hires are going to ex- affect the overall happiness of this organization, which is, makes retaining Keenan McCardell that much more important when you're thinking about Adam Thielen, who has a decision to make, or the organization has a decision to make. Justin Jeff- Jefferson's long-term, uh, you know, being in Minnesota, um, keeping him around, I think certainly helps in that regard. But all of these assistants now, right? I've already spoke my mind about Mike, Mike Pettin. If you want to say more, be my guest, but I'll leave it at that, right? I don't like him. The rest of this group, how do you feel about the names that they hired? Some of them aren't very big names. And some of them, you know, whether it's Phil Rauscher, who is a Mike Munchak disciple, but not a Mike Munchak, are <laughs> guys who, in theory, are going to be very good at their job, but yeah. have not proven it yet. So there's yeah. a lot of unproven things. So there's inherent concern, but there's also inherent reason for optimism, I think, too. Yeah, I think the one that I'm excited about uh, is Donatel on defensive on the defensive side because of the work he's done. Well, the was the last four or five years now, four years he's been under Vic Vangio uh, right. in Chicago and then in Denver. And all of those defenses have been really, of course, the 2018 Chicago defense was one of the best in the last couple of decades in the NFL mm-hmm. uh, overall. And so I, I'm really excited now, again, it's going to be that switch to a three, four. And I think there may be some transition, um, Hunter, issues, again, but the there's going to be, you know, whether it's Jill Hunter, or it's Anthony Barr, if he's retained, um, you know, there's going to be some pieces that to be put together there a little bit um, and maybe reworked, but I'm excited about that possibility and kind of a switch up there that I think is needed on this team. Now I am going to miss Mike Zimmer's, um, you know, third down crazy schemes and, and disguises. And um, I do hope, you know, as long as Donatel is able to mix that up and kind of give maybe Harrison Smith some of that freedom to kind of run all over the place um, in the box up the up top in that kind of deep spot, uh, whatever it might be. But I'm excited about the possibilities there and what his pedigree shows again, hasn't, I don't believe he's called the defense before. Um, but I, I like the way I like, you know, the fact that he has been kind of under Vic Vangio's wing now for four years and his, uh, his pedigree on the defensive side, Vangio's, is as good as it, as there is in the NFL right now. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's an interesting note too because it kind of aligns with what I was saying that you know you didn't get Vic Fangio, but you got Vic Fangio's guy. Yeah. Is like how much of Vic Fangio is he, and how much of Ed Donatello is he? Right. Right. Um, that remains to be seen, but I think given the given the history of what he's been able to do alongside Vic Fangio and kind of you inherently learn when you work with someone for so long, especially when, when it's kind of a mentor mentee relationship. I mean, it's, it's kind of the same thing as I mean, you didn't, you didn't get Sean McVay, but you got his go-to guy for the last year, you know, and Kevin O'Connell. So that's, that's how a lot of these head coaches, head coaches, it's just a coach. I mean, that's how these guys get hired. They are, they learn from highly respected guys and then teams try to poach, you know, teams try to poach that, type of mindset mentality and leadership style to their team. And it, you know, there are hits, there are misses, you know, there it's, that's, those are the risks that you take. And I think this is one that, you know, if you look at 
Vic Fangio's success over the last few years and how effective his defenses have been. I, I like going up, I guess, barking up that tree, pun intended. <laughs> I think it's interesting because this is how coaching trees are formed, right? And yeah. some coaches have more branches and some of them have more limbs. It, it, like Bill Belichick, for example, is kind of known for being a guy that has really, really smart people working underneath them. But every single time they leave, they don't seem to do too well, whether it's, you know, Flores, who we can debate that another time and probably not even on this show. But Flores, you know, McDaniel, who didn't have a whole lot of success in Denver and is kind of known for being, you know, a tough guy to be around from what I've come to understand. You know, he's got more limbs than he's got branches, whereas McVeigh seems to be building out branches. Right. He's got all these guys that underneath yeah. them are having Andy a lot Reed of success. Too. Andy Reid is, yeah, of course, one of the very best in that regard. Um, and this is kind of how that tree continues to sprout, right? And how more pieces to the puzzle are built is you bring in Wes Phillips to be your offensive coordinator who, um, you know, great pedigree, great last name, by the way, mm-hmm. um, great bloodline, uh, but not a whole lot of experience. And also he's coaching the offensive side of the ball, which is interesting to me just from when I think of Phillips, don't think right. offense. Think of bum, um, you think of Wade. Yeah, yeah. I mean, exactly. Or, uh, yeah. So it's an it's an interesting situation for this team to be in because you've got so many different limbs, and you hope that these are the guys that are going to be the foundation for that next um, set of branches, if you will. As this, you know, you don't like to see coaches leave, but it means that you're doing something well, right? Like if your offensive coordinator leaves, it means that your offense is pretty damn good. Right. If your defensive coordinator leaves, it means that your defense was probably pretty damn good. Right. And Mike Zimmer had some of that happen. But a lot of those guys that quote branched off from Mike Zimmer were Pat Shermer, you know, guys that had experience at the NFL level and weren't really mentees of Mike Zimmer. Whereas now this is truly, you know, a lot of Sean McVay and Phillips and O'Connell, of course. Um, but you've also got the Vic, the Vic Fangio tree as well, where I know that Fangio isn't exactly known for being a head coach and kind of passing on his disciplines down uh, like Bill Parcells would be or something to that effect. Right. But the, you're getting the next line, the next, you know, I just mentioned Phil Rauscher as well, being the next in line for Mike Munchak, who is you know, known as being one of the best offensive line guys in the NFL. Um, there are a lot of question marks, like how much of these guys are they going to be? Are they going to be anywhere near as good? Hell, are they going to be better? Could they be better? Is is young younger is in right now? It just is. So there's a lot to be said about the way that the staff was assembled. Um, there's a there's a wide range of age, experience in the NFL, experience at different levels, um, and all of it will be interesting to see how it plays out. But I think, you know, it's it's right to be optimistic, but it's also important to have questions right and like and and see if these questions are answered because if you don't if you kind of go into it with this mindset like all right kevin o'connell can do no wrong like i I accept whatever the hell this guy does i I just don't know if that's you know the right approach to 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 kind of being a fan of an organization right part of being a fan is being able to say like all right i want to see this or i expect to see this and then you get those questions answered later one way or the other and Will Kevin O'Connell answer some of these questions? Will some of these coaching members of his staff answer the question, the, the inherent questions that we have? How much Vic Fangio are we going to get? Because I wanted Vic Fangio. And I think a lot of this Vikings, you know, fan group wanted, they didn't want the disciple. They wanted Vic. They wanted the guy. And that same can be said for Mike Munchak as well. So it's like, all right, are we going to get a piece of that? Are we going to get someone better? What's it going to look like? So mm-hmm. a lot of questions still with the staff, but I think as a whole, there's reason for optimism given pedigree, history of success, 
first time learning opportunities and just as a whole, the philosophy of this organization, the way that they're trending toward, um, I think there's a lot to be excited about. And at the same time, a lot of questions too, but that's fun. Questions are fun. Right. And that's now it's time to get to work, you know, and I think we just, well, we won't really start seeing things until, you know, the fall or end of summer um, to see things come to fruition. But, you know, we can talk about this maybe on the next show, but you know what the Vikings do with the, the big question mark, the big contracts on the roster now is going to be that next kind of first evaluation piece that we have of, you know, not necessarily O'Connell, but also, but you know, Queasy for sure, how he's going to handle the Vikings retool rebuild. I mean, this is, again, this is probably sneaking into or kind of maybe teasing our next conversation, our next show, but it's something uh, to just keep in mind. Like it's really nothing really happened the last few, you know, few weeks here. It's just been, transitioning to the next season now it's time to get to work and there's rumors about teams calling the vikings about kirk and the contract and <laughs> i think there's some yeah. something about the panthers today calling in like i mean we'll, we'll see really I, what i'm curious I, I, we'll kind of leave it at this maybe to wrap up but like if if kirk isn't a, a looked upon a well in the league we're going to find that out um because if a whole new regime comes in and still wants to keep kirk that might change a little bit of what I think of him because I can't imagine like, you know, our whole, dis- the discourse has been the contract. He's not worth it. Like you should get rid of him and not have to pay the big salary, whatever. But if a whole new regime comes in, you know, Queasy and O'Connell and these bright young minds that we all respect and they've seen it all in the league, they just want or the coach just won a Super Bowl. They come in and they see Kirk and they're like, I want to keep this guy at his high cap hits annually and they extend him. That will honestly, that will shape my perception of the quarterback, but we can get into that discussion on the next show. Yeah. Well, you definitely will spend the rest of this off season discussing. Oh yeah. Season, right. No, uh, I'm not trying to bore people with Kirk discussion. Cause that's going to, you know, no, that's going to, we don't make headlines with down, Kirk but... discussion. I think we make you know notes about Kirk cousins yeah. throughout our shows. I don't think we ever have a, a show that's entirely dedicated to the guy uh, partially because I don't want to, I don't really like talking about him that much, but that's neither here nor there. Um, one thing to note though, too, is that as you know, you say, let's get to work. Um, the Vikings are behind, right? When you hire a coach that was on a super bowl roster, you're in theory about three, four weeks behind the off season planning of teams that did not hire a new head coach, right? Um, Green Bay Packers, for example. Right. Uh, so something to consider that this team, this, this group needs to work quickly. And I know that, you know, Quasi's probably been shaping his philosophies since he was still in San Francisco, um, but, or Cleveland rather, excuse me, I'm getting these names. I'm getting all these names jumbled at this point. But um, the point is, is that the guy, a lot of these guys have only been in Minnesota for about a week now, and they've got about a month to figure out what they're going to do with what might be one of the more important drafts, um, for this, you know, this group, right. O'Connell's first draft is probably going to include a quarterback, probably going to include a key playmaker of some sort. You're also picking rather high, um, relatively speaking, right. Top 15. Uh, I don't know if this is a defining draft because that probably is a year two, year three thing, but there is a level of importance here with this first group because it, in theory, it speeds up the process depending on how well you do here. And the Vikings are, again, I, I don't know how much planning actually goes in. I know it's a lot, but the Vikings are behind in theory, just inherently. 
So something to watch for, something that I'm sure we'll be discussing um, throughout the next few shows. Um, and as we kind of get dig into free agency, the free agency period names that make sense for this team, um, roster building as a whole with this shift in philosophy um, and how all of these new guys are going to help assemble um, what is, you know, hopefully will be a competitive roster that will give this team a, a good Super Bowl window mm-hmm. for multiple years. Will Kevin O'Connell and Quasey try to use the Rams model? I honestly hope not. That's another question, though. Like, right? Like, that's scary. It's not super sustainable. Like, yeah, I think the Rams could probably run it back once, maybe if they're lucky. Keeping in mind, of course, that they barely won this Super Bowl and they lost the previous one. So, it's tough to run it back when you've got all these picks tied up and all these cap, all this cap room tied up, and you're going to lose a bunch of guys this off season. I don't necessarily want the Vikings to use that same model. I'd prefer the sustained success model. We'll see what they try to do, right? And we'll discuss kind of the positives and negatives, and you know the general consensus of what this approach should look like um, as we get into this very important time in March um, with this team planning for the draft and making free agency decisions. And as Drew mentioned a couple different times, big contract decisions as well. Uh, so that's the, that's the plan here uh, for the rest of the off season. Is there anything else that we did not cover on Kevin O'Connell or, or his coaching staff that you wanted to make note of before we get out of here? Um, I don't think so. I mean, it's just, I'm, Again, this is we're about to get into that really exciting part. You know, for if your team sucks, uh, which the Vikings have sucked for a couple of years now, March and April is the fun time uh, to be yeah. a fan. So yeah. we're about there. Yeah, it'll it'll be interesting, and I, I am keeping a close eye on Kirk Cousins, Neil Hunter, Anthony Barr, um, Adam Thielen. There's a lot of big names here that have been well, not even just big names, but household names that have literally built their foundation of their brand um, in Minnesota. Um, and they may not be with the team next season. And we'll see some of these moves begin to take shape over the next few months. So we'll be here to talk about those with you guys, uh, discuss, you know, the positives, negatives, and all of that type of stuff as this stuff, as this, you know, begins to play out throughout uh, the rest of February into March. And of course, in the draft season in April. So uh, thank you as always for listening. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, YouTube, if you want to watch us. Uh, make sure to check out the Daily Nortsman and the Climbing the Pocket Network. A lot of good podcasts that are a little bit more consistent than ours, right? We haven't uh, been, you know, every week for about a couple months now. We're trying to get back to that, but schedules and things have gotten in the way with that. Um, but the rest of our team is doing a great job Monday through Friday. Um, I think there's at least one, three new shows that go up every single week. So make sure you check out the rest of the Climbing the Pocket team. Those guys are doing some great content. And uh, yeah, we will be back uh, next week, hopefully, with some more offseason stuff and kind of getting deeper into what we have discussed here after our first impressions with Kevin O'Connell. So as always, folks, thank you for listening and we'll catch you next week.